Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Meta, a podcast about podcasts, and I'm Peter Wells. And today I'm speaking with one of the people I've been a long-time fan of. You might not know her name, but you will recognise her shows. Kelly Reardon has been working at the ABC for the last couple of years now, running the ABC Audio Studios, which is their podcasting division. Uh, she helped get some very well-known podcasts off the ground, including conversations with Richard Feidler, back when no one really knew what podcasts were, or at least only the nerds in the back server rooms knew what podcasts were. Kelly clearly saw the potential in the medium and has been responsible for some of the ABC's biggest hits. I mean, she did run the studio for quite some time. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure nerding out with Kelly and talking about all of the experiences she had at the ABC and also starting a brand new podcast and a brand new podcasting studio. So Kelly, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, you've been one of the the spearheads in uh, podcasting in, in Australia. I think I've written about shows that are somehow related to you more than anyone else uh, in, in this country, which is uh, pretty remarkable. That is remarkable, actually. That pleases me. We, you know, I've had the privilege to make or be part of the making of a lot of great shows over the last few years and you know to see the escalation in the amount of great podcast content in the Australian market over the last few years is it's great it's really it makes me super proud and you've also not not just inside the the ABC studios which uh, I want to talk about in a little bit but you've also been incredibly supportive of of the industry as a whole with the podcast conventions that that you you were running for a while I think it was important to establish OzPod as a way for industry to come together and sort of celebrate, you know, podcasting as a thing. And we started in 2016 and um, it was around the time when, yes, Serial had sort of happened, but really there still wasn't an industry gathering that really looked at podcasting in Australia. And I thought that you know, the ABC, because of who it is in the market, had the perfect opportunity to sort of lead that and bring industry together. And we really set about trying to create a space where um, commercial broadcasters, independent podcasters, people from the platforms, the ABC, like everyone could get together and share best practice tips and ideas and start to have a conversation about this industry that we were building and and having to build together. Um, And I was wanting to build that out together. And so it was pleasing that OzPod grew you know, over a number of years and to bring out keynote speakers and have amazing Australian podcasters speak at it was um, was really great. Yeah, and it was a really lovely atmosphere there as well. There, there was such a kind of a feeling that the industry was, everyone was kind of looking out for each other, which is something that you rarely get in a in a very big media conference like that. 
I think that was deliberate. I mean, I genuinely want to support all podcasters out there. It's, it, you know, obviously I had the privilege to run, you know, the biggest podcast operation in the country for quite a number of years, but it was just as important that we put our arm out to our commercial radio counterparts or independents or the platforms to say, let's all do this together because we have to float all boats. And Audiocraft have done a similar thing with their conference as well, where we said, look, there's got to be a way that we can come together as industry um, and sort of put aside any rivalries that we might have on a day-to-day basis, but to uh, to to really leverage each other's relationships and and make podcasting grow. And of course, you know, I want to be as approachable to a young up-and-coming independent podcaster who's trying to have a voice for the first time from regional Australia as I do, you know, sit in a room with Spotify or Acast or anybody else. Um, when you were at the ABC, when you're looking back, what, what is one of the things you're most proud of, whether it be watching talent improve over the years or or just a, a certain show that is just really near and dear to your heart? Oh, there's so many. It's like asking me to pick my favourite child. I mean, I'm still incredibly... I mean, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm... I'm still incredibly proud of conversations because I started that podcast in 2005 and nobody had a thing called an iPhone in their hand at that time. But as the producer of that show, Richard Feidler was presenting it. I was the only producer at that time. It's now a team of five. I just saw the opportunity for this thing called an MP3 to exist on the internet. And so I got together with another colleague who knew how to do some HTML code and literally he taught me, you know, backspace slash I slash, like I can't code, but I learned enough code to be able to post this thing to the web. <laughs> and at the time, I have to say that the station manager, you know, didn't really get what I was doing. Richard himself laughs about it because he was like, what are you sitting in the corner wasting an hour of time on this internet thing when we've got, you know, guests to lock in for tomorrow? But I I just thought that long form in in-depth kind of content would really lend itself well to the internet. And I guess the other thing, I can, I can still remember I said to the station manager, can can you get me this thing called an iRiver so that I can actually <laughs> check that the MP3 is going to the web? And he was like, oh, that's going to cost $200, Kelly. And, you know, we can sit back and laugh now. I asked for no permission. I just started doing it. Whereas now, if you want to get a podcast up at the ABC, there's a whole commissioning process, as there should be. But back then it was the Wild West and it was one of the first podcasts in Australia and remains, if you look at, if you consider Apple the biggest platform, which it is, it is the most downloaded show in Australia. So I'm super proud of that. But then I I guess I'm also really proud of shows that no one else in the market would make. And so for us, you know, No Feeling is Final, the personal memoir story with uh, Honor Eastley where we go inside kind of someone as they're having a mental health crisis. No one else in Australia is going to make that show. Mm. And we were, you know, I was lucky enough to commission that and put together a really fantastic team who made an absolutely stunning podcast. Um, I'm really proud of Ladies We Need to Talk because, again, at the time when that was sort of the first thing I commissioned when we set up ABC Audio Studios and we specifically looked at the data and we were going, look, 
women in their 30s and early 40s is a gap for the ABC. They're not listening to radio. They kind of listen to us for Triple J and they come back strongly for local radio and RN when they're kind of 45 and up. But we've got this real gap in the middle and what are we doing? And and I was very bullish on podcasts as a way to get these women to connect with the ABC every day and we can build a really great community around this podcast. And that, you know, I'm really – the first um, – the first executive producer of that show, Claudine Ryan, who is an amazing health um, journalist, but had no podcast experience. You know, she put that together, but I was able to bring all the podcast chops and intelligence. We were able to grab Yumi Steins and it, it remains one of the biggest podcasts that the ABC does. So I love that one too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I know a lot of fans of that show. I also really love uh, the outer, I mean, I've, I love so many shows from the ABC, but I love the outer sanctum and, and I always think that that shows a real uh, a real talent finding uh, nous that you have yeah so that one is again kind of a special hybrid one where the women from the outer sanctum which if you haven't heard it it's six just like amazing women who talk about AFL and they're so insightful and interesting and engaged in the game and they were already doing the podcast and I sort of got together with Grandstand and said what if ABC Audio Studios and Grandstand sort of acquired this um, and tried to supercharge it like they're all, they're already doing a great job of the content mm. but as you know the ABC brand and the way we can leverage all of the marketing push and the way we get the apps to profile our podcasts and all of those things and at that time I just felt like the ABC again is someone who should be backing conversations around female sport not necessarily a thing the commercials really do perhaps mm. outside mm. of netball and I just love those women. We brought them to one of the first OzPod conferences and, you know, it was so great seeing them in the green room standing alongside, you know, the international keynote speaker. And and then, you know, that podcast has done some great stuff like Melissa Etheridge came out to Australia and became friends with them, went to the AFL with them. Um, you know, they became mates. Like it's just, they're just great chicks, you know, and they're doing amazing things. Oh, they really are, and and I've I've chatted to them a couple of times over the years, and I've uh, always said that they uh, they they were so instrumental in bringing the AFLW uh, into prominence and and really showing how neglected the AFL were being toward that property that was such a, a, a an excellent property. It made the AFL such a much better sport for for including women. And um, and they're they're always just so humble about that and say, look, we did nothing, you know, we just showed up. But yeah, I really do think that that you know that you could draw they're a, a big direct... piece of it. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. So it's it's amazing to see some of that work that a, a show can create outside in in the real real world. I guess. Well, that's where podcasting is so great, right? It- niche and narrow um, at times. And and when you go into a little niche community like women's AFL, and this was obviously before the WAFL kicked off, but they they were right there at the coalface and that's the best kind of podcast when you get in right before it all takes off. But that's a really fantastic example where that podcast will never get, that'll never be number one on the Apple chart, right? But it gets to the right audience and that Mm. right audience, highly engaged, very sticky, listening to, you know, 95% 95% of the show every week, great social presence, great community built around it. So to me, that's a really fantastic example of where podcasting is so, so well equipped to get to people right with the right content at the right time in a niche that that audience is interested in. 
Yeah, so we, we could we could go through the entire ABC catalogue, and I, I, I happily would with you. Maybe maybe over a beer one time when um, <laughs> we're, we're allowed to travel again. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Have you had to dig deep this year and find resilience you never knew you had? It just becomes a mindset that says... I can't pretend to be in control. I have to be. I can't pretend to be um, optimistic. I sort of have to be. Um, that's another curveball that's been thrown at us. Uh, so we have to find a different way. We speak to leaders about dealing with problems that no one could have seen coming. My mum had to sign my first venue agreement um, because I wasn't an adult. Because <laughs> um, I went broke when I was about 23. So, like, not properly spe- broke? Oh, not spectacular. No, I'm... Look, so the company went into liquidation for for those for for any. Of okay, those. so that's probably broke. Yeah, yeah, but I didn't go. In, I didn't go bankrupt personally. So you know, that's there's a distinction for fans of insolvency law. <laughs> oh gosh, it still feels as raw today as it did at the time. <laughs> but you know, we had our, our whole um, range deleted kind of in one phone call, and it was it was really heartbreaking. And what I realised, and you know, as, as corny as it is to say today, that really. You know, it was a great lesson for me in my career. Let's talk about your new venture, though. Um, so I've listened to the trailer and you paint a, a very interesting picture of, of your life at a crossroads. Yeah, so I've set up a new consultancy and production um, um, called Dead Set Studios. And in the middle of the year, I sort of, a, a whole lot of things happened, as they have for so many people this year. but. I sort of had a slight change to my role was happening at the ABC. I had been offered another role with a commercial radio station to set up a podcast arm there. I had always thought about running my own thing as well. And all of those three things kind of happened at once. And um, unfortunately, they also happened at the time when there were redundancies happening at the ABC. Unfortunately, my boss died in the middle of this. And so I just really had this very can't write it sort of moment in the middle of the year, too crazy to script. And Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I had to make some quick decisions. And ultimately, even though I'd spent the last 20 years at the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, loved my job as the head of ABC Audio Studios, love working for a public broadcaster, adore my staff love the shows that we put out. Like it was a really difficult decision, but I was also energized and excited about what's going on in the rest of the podcast landscape. And you only have to look to America to see how well production companies are doing and people kind of branching out into various different parts of podcasting. And I feel like we're sort of 18 months behind that little explosion that's happening in the US. And it seems like jumping now and trying to do some of my own work would be great. And I guess also, I just wanted to work on some other projects outside the ABC. So I'm, you know, I'm working on a really great 
great project with the BBC World Service. I'm working with other organizations on their podcasts. I'm doing some consulting with different radio stations. Um, I'm looking at a couple of pieces of work with some podcast production companies in the US. So it allowed me to probably have a, a, you know, a reduced bank account, um, but, but work on some projects that would stretch me a little and take me in a few different directions and allow me to work with some of my counterparts overseas and just stretch myself. And I thought, why not? You know, sometimes you've got to roll the dice in life and do something different. And so I took a, a kind of a scary leap, but it has also been really scary because I've spent 20 years working at the ABC where you get a paycheck every fortnight. Now, you know, like any other small business, I'm on the hustle for work and I'm, you know, there's not enough hours in the day to get all the things done that you have to do when you're a small business owner, like admin and mm. <laughs> accounting. But um, I just wanted to give it a go and, and I was fortunate enough to be in a, a circumstance where I could sort of leave the ABC at a time of my choosing and in the way in which I wanted it to go. So I thought, look, I'm not going to get that chance again. So uh, Dead Set Studios, uh, is it just you at the moment or are there other people involved in terms of admin or are you really doing all the heavy lifting? I'm doing the majority of all of the business development work and bringing things in the door and, and working on the bigger projects. However, as you mentioned, I'm making a podcast called Curveball. And so, of course, on that podcast, um, I have a sound designer, I have a producer, I have an intern. Um, and then on other projects, I'm working with different organizations who may have a team that I'm working with, or sometimes they'll come to me and say, can you bring the production team? And so, again, I'll engage you know, a story editor or a producer or an executive producer. So I'm the one that's here full time, but I am hiring people project to project. Okay. And uh, are you planning on doing any kind of branded content as well to, to help uh, monetize the Dead Set Studios or, or is, it, is it more, do you want to stay more in the, in the fiction, nonfiction? I haven't really worked that out yet. I think I will do branded where it makes sense and where there's an organization uh, or a brand who wants to play creatively with that. Um, And so I would say that for the right project, I will definitely do that. Um, I'm also interested in working with organizations who want to use podcasting to do a whole lot of other things, like it's the new internal newsletter. You know, organizations are thinking about ways to communicate with their staff now that their staff are dispersed in home offices around the country. So there's lots of things that podcasts can do. International aid. um, There's a whole lot of things that that podcasts can do um, that I'll be dipping my finger in. And I'm just also very relaxed about not necessarily having all the answers about which bits of work I'll do yet. I'm just feeling it out and I'm I'm saying yes to things, to learn things and to work out which things are worth doing and which things aren't quite the right fit for me. And I'll just be kind of applying the same model that I've applied to ABC Audio Studios in the last few years, which is let's give stuff a go, figure it out on the run, you know, get rid of the things that aren't working, double down mm-hmm. on the things that are. And to me, that's that's the way I work. I just kind of iterate. I say yes to a lot of things. I say, let's try it. And if it doesn't work, we'll learn something. And if it does work, great. And we'll refine and we'll try and put that into best practice principles for the next project. So from the trailer of of Curveball, it did sound like part of your story and your journey uh, and into seeing what Dead Set Studios ends up being would be part of the story you would tell alongside the interviews that you do 
uh, with other people. Is that, am I getting that wrong or is it, is this series going to be? Well, I think it was the obvious launch point. I mean, people wanted to know where I was going to turn up and why Mm -hmm. I'd made the decisions I'd made. Um, I had to make them fast, which meant my exit was quite fast, which was something that I just had to make happen for a whole number of reasons. Um, So it both communicated where I was at and the decisions I'd made around setting up Deadset Studios. And it was the obvious launch point around what Curveball actually is, which is a podcast where leaders and businesses and, um, you know, CEOs tell us what it's like in life when you're thrown a curveball that you just couldn't see coming and you just have to deal with it on the run. And I've always been really fascinated by people who can sort of find resilience when the chips are down or when their back is up against the wall. Like that has always been super fascinating to me. So I'd always wanted to do a show where we spoke to the top CEOs, the top leaders, whether they're sports leaders, arts leaders, people from business and said, when times get really tough or when something like a global pandemic comes out of nowhere and you're running an airline, as Paul Scurra was, who's the feature of the first episode, like how do you deal with that? Like unpack that for me. What's it like when you get a phone call saying, you know, we have to ground our entire fleet of aircraft pretty much overnight and wipe $6 billion off the, you know, company bottom line. Like, how do you get up the next day and go to work? Because I'd be (laughs) kind of hiding in a corner under a doona and having a big cry. So I guess it was two things. It was me being fascinated and wanting to talk to those sort of people, but also genuinely going, I've had a rough year in some ways or or a year that's really stretched me and it's required me to be very resilient and resourceful and try stuff from the very bottom and figure stuff out and make mistakes. And so how do you, when you make a mistake or you have a fall from grace or you um, something comes at you from nowhere that you couldn't expect and you couldn't plan for, like how do you keep going? So I don't know that the podcast as it goes, it's mostly about other people's stories, but but it seemed like the obvious jumping point to kind of say, I've been wondering about this stuff and I bet you guys are too. And so we then go on the quest and we talk to Carmen's from, you know, Carmen's Muesli Bars. And she actually scaled her company up during the pandemic at the time where everyone else was scaling back. And so so what's her palette for risk like? You know, I want to unpack that. Mm. And what was it like for school teachers who had to suddenly pivot the whole way they worked? Um, I interviewed this really great guy called Michael Fox who ran the Shoes of Prey startup, which was a big fashion startup. He got venture capital funding, scaled up, scaled up, went to America, got an office in Santa Monica, built a factory. It was all around um, online design of shoes got more money, went into Nordstrom's and then basically the thing started tanking and he lost his company. He split up with his wife who was his co-partner in in the company at the same time and he's actually picked himself up and started a new company which is about making meat from mushrooms. It's like vegetarian meat. And just the thought that someone can raise venture capital, move to the US, have this thing publicly fail and then get back on the horse. I just find that super fascinating. And the journalist in me just wants to know more about that. Along the way, I might start to let people know what's happening with me and the business. Um, You know, maybe there'll be the odd bonus episode just to check in with how I'm going, but mostly it'll be about other people. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. That, that, that was mainly where I was coming from. Like it, it, it had the trailer at, le- at least had a, had a feel of say startup from Gimlet, but then the, the actual show itself seemed to be a lot more focused on the guest rather than uh, yourself. So I just, I was just trying to figure out exactly where that line was drawn. Yeah. I'm not really up for recording my whole life and putting it out. <laughs> sort of not my style. Truth be told, I had to be really pushed into the trailer. Mm-hmm. It's not, if it's just up to me, it's probably not how the trailer would have rolled. But I had some smart people around me kind of saying, Kel, you know, you got to actually tell your story because it's pretty crazy. And it actually lines up with the experience that so many people in Australia have had this year where they might have lost their job or their company or, you know, they had to more put out, take out a second mortgage on the house because they'd lost their jobs or they were a Qantas pilot and they had no work and they owned a restaurant and it had to shut. Like so many people in Australia have had crazy curveballs thrown at them this year. And I want to I really want to have a conversation about that, an honest one, a real one, because I think it's the only way we're going to get through this 2020 horror show is actually Mm. sharing stories. And it would be ridiculous if I then didn't share mine. And so that's how all the people around me got me across the line on kind of sharing (laughs) a little bit of me, which as, I mean, if you asked any of my staff at the ABC about it, they would just go, Kelly doesn't give away much normally. Like I'm a pretty, um, I'm just boring. It's not because I'm hiding anything. I'm just super boring. Like I'm just a middle-class person from the suburbs in Brisbane with, you know, a nice husband and two nice kids. Like I'm as boring as they come. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, but, I didn't think it was very interesting. But isn't it funny that uh, that, that is the advice that you get? Because, you know, I, the, some of the advice I, I've been getting about the podcast I, I've been doing is you've got to be a bit more yourself. You've got to be a bit more, you know, let let more of your personality come through. Because when I was first doing these interviews, I didn't want to do that. I wanted it all to be about the person on the other side of the mic telling their story. And, yeah, it just seems like, Podcasting more than any other medium I can think of almost demands uh, a certain connection to the the host, to the person telling the story. Look, I would say that's true to a degree. You know, like I like to think of Anna Sale and Roman Mars and Manoush Zomorodi as my friends. (laughs) But, I mean, I wouldn't say that Richard Feidler necessarily gives away a whole lot behind the microphone of conversations, and yet that show is hugely popular. I think what you do need to do is be authentically generous with your interviewees and authentically engaged and interested in the content. And that's what, you know, Richard and Sarah Konoski absolutely have in spades on that show. And that's what I hope I would bring is less about me, but more about how genuinely interested I am in the stories of these company leaders or sports leaders or whoever they are on Curveball because I think a show is carried on the engagement of the host around the content. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Now, going back to the ABC for just two seconds, uh, you, you mentioned earlier that your your staff would have been floored uh, at, at the trailer that, that you were giving yourself, so, <laughs> giving so much of yourself away. Mm. Last night, as I was getting ready for this, uh, I got a uh, a message from Rachel Fountain, who said, "Oh yeah, again, showing how small this this industry is." Said, "Hey, I heard that you're interviewing Kelly. Uh, she never got to hear her her farewell that we all made for her. Can you play it for her on the show? On this show? On this show? Right? 
so do you want me to play it to you now? She said you'd be incredibly embarrassed. You have it? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm <really> embarrassed. <laughs> Holy dooly, there's no secrets. Far out. <laughs> I, ha- I haven't, yeah, it, as I said, it happened pretty fast um, mm. just because I genuinely was going to be taking a different job. So my exit was quite rapid. Uh, so I didn't really have time. And also COVID, right? So normally if you leave an organisation, there's a morning tea and people come and mm, there's mm. a gift and people make speeches. I literally shut my laptop in my spare bedroom. You know, we, <laughs> yeah, exactly. we, we did have, we had a Zoom farewell, which was lovely. But, you know, like I didn't get to hug my staff that are in, mm. I have staff all around the country. So I didn't get to hug them and say goodbye. Like it was pretty awful. So, yeah. So, so what have you got? I'm, <laughs> I'm a bit confused about this. What? So, so she said that, uh, that while, while it was your last week, uh, they, they wanted to make it like a little audio postcard for you to take away um, or an audio uh, farewell yes, yes. card. Um, uh-huh. And it, they just didn't get it done in time before you left. So, uh, yeah, she just thought it would be very cute to play it to you live. Okay. Oh, man. What I'm going to miss about you, Kelly, are your instincts with audio. I mean, you are the rarest of unicorns. You have this strategic, smart, big picture thinking but you also are grassroots enough to know when a show isn't working and exactly how to fix it. Like who on earth possesses all of this skill and has an organised pantry? Fuck you, Kelly, really. (laughs) So what can I say? I'm going to miss Kelly terribly. She's been an amazing person, amazing friend, amazing manager, and the ABC is just not going to be the same without her. I'm really going to miss you in the office, Reardon, you know. There's always a bit of firecracker energy when you're around and healthy amount of swearing, um, <laughs> saying what you felt, caring about people, that big heart and an amazing memory and a sharp mind and you're such talent. You make whip-smart decisions. You have amazing audio ears and instincts and you clear the way for people, including me, uh, to shine and you push people to get the best out of them. That could be the annoying bit. Um, But you push people to get the best out of them and I've always known that you have my back, which has been really empowering in this role. They played me like a little a little compile on my last day, but that is obviously the long cut. I haven't heard some of those comments actually, so it makes me really well up. Um, oh, they're so good. They really are the best in the business. And that was the single biggest, you know, wretch for me around my decision to leave was just those people. They are just, they are world class. Like I think that's the thing about Australian podcasting. You know, I get the privilege to go overseas sometimes and, meet with, you know, NPR, the CBC, um, Wondery, the BBC, and 
you know, people really rate a lot of the shows that are coming out of Australia and we have some of the best makers in the world. Uh, and, not, you know, I don't just mean at the ABC. There are so many great uh, makers doing incredible shows in this country. But, yeah, I mean, those, they're all, oh, solid. Like, you know, Mons working with Monique Bowley, who's just like the absolute best at knowing how to make something for an audience and just I, I've never laughed so hard at as I have at some of the shows she's made. Like, she's just so funny. Um, Ian's just my, I always call him my work husband. I sort of have two work husbands, Andrew Davies and Ian, my two work husbands, because they were right there at the beginning of Audio Studios. So they've sort of been on the journey right from the beginning. And Justine Kelly, um, who said I always have her back, but also I'm, I'm a pushy whatever. Um, <laughs> she's She and I have had, like, we are fr- dear friends, but also we've had very similar careers. We came up as Triple J reporters um, back in the day when we were in our early 20s and then we both went into local radio at the same time as producers and then we moved into running our respective radio stations. I ran the ABC in Brisbane. She ran the ABC in Perth. We both went into ABC training for a while and then to end up at Audio Studios Studios together, you know, fantastic. You know, Rachel Fountain I just think is one of the best producers going in Australia at the moment. I think she's just grown incredibly. Like I could just go on and on. They're all brilliant and I miss them every single day. So, yeah, that's super special. You have to send me that. Can I? I will. Yeah, yeah, of course. Someone must have a copy of it I can get, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, of course. I'll I'll send it straight after this. But uh, I just (laughs) wanted to say that uh, everything you've just said, I've heard the exact same thing said about you um, for at least two years now. Whenever whenever I've been uh, interviewing anyone from the ABC, uh, you know, your name is always brought up uh, as either someone who really championed the project at the start when when no one else believed in a show or, you know, the support that you showed or just even the, I think it was Monica said, uh, the, you know, the ability to to really understand what works in audio. I, I've heard nothing but great things about you for years now, Kelly. So I just wanted to pass that back on to you. That's super special. Look, there's plenty of people who um, might disagree and have had a tough time with me because I can also be very, um, as was alluded to there, you know, sure of certain things and that doesn't always go well (laughs) in a big organisation. But my heart is usually in the right place. And, um, you know, I do, one of the great privileges of being able to run a team is to, to give people a go sometimes. Like I've had the privilege to give people their first go in radio or their first go in podcasting or their very first um, show of their own. And, and, you know, that's a great privilege. We have a lot of shows where it's a mess in the middle. This happens on nearly every show, actually. We start off really great. And of course, once we're actually launching the thing, it's happy days again. But there is a point in the middle where everyone pretty much loses their shit and (laughs) gets, gets lost in the story and lost in the weeds and things aren't going well. And there's tape that's not working and a million things, you know, someone has said no and we can't get them and whatever. And you know, I think one of the things that I am good at is to come in at that point and give a project fresh ears and also to put my arms around people and go, this is all right. Don't worry. We're in the hard bit. And I've been in the hard bit before because I've done this six times or 16 times before you. This is your first show and you're finding it hard. But actually, this isn't, you know, this this is just the, the, the rough and tumble of any creative work, right? It takes it takes a lot out of you. Um, making a creative piece of work is really difficult at different times and confronting and hard, but it's also amazing and joyful and wonderful. And it's all of those things. And so I hope that a lot of the people that have worked for me um, have felt, you know, supported even when times are tough. 
So can I, uh, do you offer that as a service? Can I call you up um, when I'm feeling a little bit? <laughs> yes, yes. There's a few of my former staff members who have me on speed dials, you know, quite a bit. And I'm sort of like, mm, I should charge by the hour for this. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, that's, I, look, and I've also had people mentor me along the way. Like that is what you do for people. And, and I think it's a great privilege to be able to do that for other people. Um, and sometimes it's it's not that I, n- I have any great tricks up my sleeve. Quite often it's that I'm fresh to a project. I mean, that's one of the, because I'm working across 30 projects at once. So I'm not in the weeds on edit number 17 of episode three, right? So I can kind of come in not exhausted um, and look at something fresh from the perspective of the listener and say, look, actually, this bit here is not landing. If we move this section to the back and bring this other thing here, or we need to get this other guest in, or we've got the sequence of events wrong here. And, you know, I can do that because I'm fresh. It's not because I'm any smarter than anyone else in the room. It's just, I haven't been entrenched in it for months on end. So, you know, I, I absolutely think the wisdom is usually in the room. It's not outside the room. The wisdom's in the room. And all I'm doing is helping people kind of find their way back there. That's so generous. Uh, so Curveball has been great so far. I've, I've really enjoyed the, the sneak peeks that you've given me as well. So uh, congratulations on, on getting it off the ground. Uh, how long has it been baking away? Not very long, truth be told, because, yeah, I wasn't sort of really necessarily planning on making this big leap and a new show. And so I've really built it on the run while building Dead Set Studios at the same time. So, and kind of you know, with limited resources, I don't have the infrastructure of a massive broadcaster behind me anymore. I don't have a legal team and I don't have a marketing team and I don't have, you know, all the things that you have. So it's been built on the fly and rushed out the door in record speed, which means it's not perfect, but I'm okay with that. It's it's sort of the best show that I can make at the time. And, and I'm still proud of that. And I'm proud to get it out the door. You know, I really wanted to capture this moment in time in Australia when so many people are dealing with crazy curveballs. And it wouldn't make sense to throw that show out in 12 months time when I finally had it perfect. You know, mm. I've got to jump on the zeitgeist moment that is 2020. And the show will evolve because it's, you know, COVID's not the only curveball we talk about. I mean, a lot of the people on the show talk about, you know, Carmen, uh, Carolyn Creswell from Carmen's has a son who had a major health scare and a brain injury that nearly meant he died, you know. Uh, Bryony Scott, who dealt with this, the school shutdown, she's the principal of Winona College in Sydney, had lung cancer. And I don't know if you know much about lung cancer, but the, prog- you know, the prognosis you get when you get lung cancer is very grim, like not many people survive a lung cancer diagnosis. It's highly aggressive. You know, Kevin White is going to be on the show in a few weeks and he's the big comedy agent in Australia. And people don't really know Kevin, but you'd know everyone he represents. So he represents Will Anderson, Hannah Gadsby, Judith Lucy, Adam Hills, Rove McManus, like everybody. But he actually went he went into administration with his first company when he was 23. And he tells this great story about how the good thing about going into administration when you're so young is no one turns up at the creditors meeting, which is just (laughs) like super funny. Um, But he rebuilt himself when he was about 26, got together with Rove, formed the company that started the first Rove show. And then he talks about his trajectory since then. Mm. And So he's super refreshing and honest about failing once, getting up, doing it again. And also, you know, this year he's had had the entire shutdown of live venues. So how do you have comedy shows when the Melbourne Comedy Festival can't happen? And that whole pivot to Zoom where 
you're watching Judith Lucy, you know, on your computer or your TV screen instead of going down to your local venue and how does that work? And, you know, Dead Set Studios might fail or I might get sick of it and I'm sort of fine with that. I'm all about warts and all, you know, life tosses incredible things at people Um, and whichever way it goes, I'm just going to be proud now that I've given it a go. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> That's such a nice way of looking at things. I really appreciate that that optimism uh, and I can see why uh, you managed to get so much done when you were at the ABC. Uh, if you've, it, that, that sounds like a, a pretty big force of nature that you've got behind you. <laughs> yes, um, that is one way to put it. Some people would say, oh, God. Um, no, it's it has been such a pleasure to work on so many great shows, but, you know, I'm going to keep working on great shows and I'm going to have the privilege to make some really great content, but also to consult with other people on shows, both in Australia and globally. And that's really exciting to me. And so while a piece of me will always be at the ABC and who knows, maybe I'll be back there at some point. I've already left twice, you know, it's a bit like the Hotel <laughs> California. <laughs> um, I'm, you know, I'm just glad that I am able to give something else a go for a little while and what will be will be. Excellent. Thank you so much, Kelly. Thank you, Peter. And thanks again for listening to Meta and thank you to Kelly for joining me today. Once again, Kelly's podcast is called Curveball if you wanted to check that one out. And thank you. If you've gotten it this far, then you must have enjoyed the show. So please tell a friend or rate and review us on iTunes. It's actually Apple Podcasts these days, but everyone still says iTunes. Anywho, I love you and I will speak to you very, very soon. My thank you to Lauren Watson for the artwork and for James Smith for editing. I'll speak to you next week. Bye-bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.